Good morning. It's good to have you here. Uh, this is the third service, and it's still true. Whatever I'm going to say is still true. It lasts. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm going to be at that, uh, that um, park on uh, Thursday, and, and I, I think we need to remember that not everybody believes that prayer is a big deal. Not everybody believes that uh, God's even still around. And your presence there and the church's presence in a community can be a real encouragement to people. Not, not, a, not an encouragement like this. An encouragement to say, you know, there are people around me that believe that God is alive and well and working in their life and loves them. And your presence there would be a big deal. So uh, carve that off. Put that on your calendar if you would. That would be an important thing for, for Bozeman. It really would. So today we're talking about raising spiritual champions. Uh, I've, uh, once I figured out uh, how to make kids, I made four of them, and uh, uh, after that I went, man, that, that's all I can disciple. That's all I know how to do. That's all I know how to be able to uh, invest in and do everything else that I'm asked to do. And so I, I guess uh, today I'd like us to, to uh, think about the importance of, of kids and youth, and uh, not just that, but there'll be something for every one of you to chew on, whether you are a uh, a parent or somebody that's working with kids or whether you're just attending here today, there'll be something for you to be able to, to take home with you, I think. So just stay with me. You'll need that, that notes page, okay, because it, we're uh, moving pretty quickly and I kind of deluged the PowerPoint guys and the notes page peoples and uh, just put a lot into this uh, content-wise. And so I'm going to move right along. But um, I really have tried to hit the big stuff, folks. I've been working with children for about uh, 36, 37 years, even before I became a pastor. And, you know, it, uh, I see the same stuff going on. It's the same things that are still important today that they were many years ago. And, you know, one of them is that kids are important. Kids are very, very precious people. And they, uh, as spiritual champions, don't just appear in an instant. They don't just happen. Spiritual champions are made, and it's a process, isn't it? It comes over a period of time, and they eventually become spiritual champions just like we are. We're all working on that right now. So whenever you came uh, to Christ as Savior, you became a new creature. You became a, a, a new person in Christ. Second Corinthians 5, uh, 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. How many of you here would say, I'm sure glad that I'm not still living in the old? Did you say that? Folks, I remember how I lived in uh, early adolescence and and, uh, middle school and early high school. And man, if I was still living that way, it would be a, a real train wreck. And I'm so thankful for the change that comes in Christ. And I think you are too. My life began in high school as a new, new uh, uh, creature in Christ, but I had a whole bunch of stuff that I had to kind of unlearn and maybe even work out of my system, attitudes and sins and even evil in my life that was bitterness and unforgiveness that took, took quite a while to kind of work out of my life. My daughters, however, accepted Christ when they were about five or six years old, and my wife and I have, have done our best, imperfect, but have done our best to raise them up to be people who love Christ. And they've missed so much of the junk that I had to work out of my life. I'm real thankful for that. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. So that you may hope you have eternal life? 
know, so you may know you have eternal life. Children want to know that they're going to heaven. They want to know that they have eternal life. I think most of us do as well, but you know, kids are serious about that. I, I've, uh, I don't know how many children have uh, come to know Christ in ministries that I've been a part of, but uh, a bunch of them. And when you ask a child, do you want to go to heaven? There aren't very many of them that won't raise their hand. They do want to go to heaven. And they're open to truth and open to God's love. And there's great opportunity to bless them in that regard. The big idea here today is this. Children who accept Christ at an early age have the greatest potential for truly becoming incredible Christian or spiritual champions and world changers. Kids can change the world if we help them start early. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But they can't do it without our help. They've got to have our help. So let's look at that. How many of you were uh, born at an early age? <laughs> you awake? Okay. You know, all of us used to be little tiny babies. All of us were little infants, you know. Little tiny people. We couldn't feed ourselves. We had to uh, fill in our diapers and stuff like that. Somebody had to take care of us. And in that, we had just all this great potential, didn't we? And along the way, we either were encouraged or we were discouraged. We had a real smooth path or we had some things that maybe hurt us. But you know, even if all of us here, if I could have a magic wand and just put uh, perfect childhoods in your past, even if you had a perfect childhood uh, personally, the Bible says we were all created with a sinful nature. Not created, we were born with a sinful nature. And God knows that if we are left to ourselves, that sinful nature will lead us away from Him. We will not always make the right decisions just because we have the right information. Let's talk about that a minute. Maybe some of you have been told that what everybody needs in this world is simply a good education. If we had the right information, we'll all make the right decisions, right? quiet. If we all had the right information, we would all make the right decisions. Folks, I, I have not seen that to be true. Some of the people that you know in our history and in the world's history were the brightest and the best who made some of the most terrible decisions, even to the point of evil. However, they were very bright and had opportunity for great Great education. The Greek model of education is that all change and all that we need is right here. Okay? I haven't found that to be true. The person's point of change and center and core is here in the heart. You know, we've got many examples of people whose hearts have led them astray even though they were very intelligent. The heart is where a person becomes truly wise and productive and trustworthy, responsible and mature. It's here. This adds to it, but it changes here. Now, it's certainly true that people need a good education, isn't it? You bet. We all need a good education. But left to ourselves, we're going to make some uh, poor choices if, and even if we don't have a good education, but if we miss a good education, we have the ability to make even more poor choices. In fact, here's a picture of somebody that's really making a poor choice. It's kind of, this, this is 
This is the source of the swine flu, okay, right here, okay? You know, right after this picture was taken, I'm just sure that some things happened, okay? Dad went, oh, man, I can't believe he's doing that. Mom's going, get him away from that, okay? You know, this is the reason right here. This is the reason we have premarital counseling at Journey, okay? Uh, we want you to know how to... How to Pick the right folks, and we want you to know when, when, there's one, when there is one of those, not to pick them, okay? <laughs> when there's somebody that's not good for you, to stay away from them. So uh, uh, let's, let's be, be clear about the fact that heart transformation is important, but great instruction is important too, and we need to have both going on if we're going to have a, have a successful upbringing as a child. Um, the Judeo-Christian view of knowledge, or philosophy of knowledge, is this. It's based upon the fact that if we know something, we are acting upon it. We're living it out. If we don't live something out, we really don't know it. Did you think about that a minute? Derry Long said one time to me, he said, you know, Sam, I, I really believe that we all do what we really want to do. And I went, you know, you could, you could have not told me that, Derry. I'd have been just fine without that, that information. Because there's a lot of things that I say, you know, I really need to, but I'm not doing it. So I really don't know it. Life transformation is far more about how we actually live than what we've learned intellectually, what we've been transformed by. It takes time to truly transform somebody in a godly way. And let's just be honest, uh, where is that transformation going to be done most effectively? Okay, is it going to be uh, done in, uh, I'll just put it here, is the children or students ministry going to get it done here an hour or two hours a week? Think that'll get it all done? Or is it going to be done in your homes? It's going to be done in the home, isn't it? So first and foremost, folks, our homes are the, are the core of spiritual transformation for our kids. If we don't get it done there, please don't be blaming other influences, including the church. The home is the core. The earlier we begin a child's life transformation, the better it's going to be. So let's ask the question. You know, we've been doing this Christian home thing for quite a while, a couple centuries. Um, got these kids going through these homes, and hey, where are all the spiritual champions? Where are all the kind of the Christian leaders? We probably should have a glut by now. Well, let's just say this. We all know that our children have... Uh, uh, free will and they can accept what we tell them or not and we need to be able to say hey you know it's, it's not always the home's problem but folks there is so much we can do that creates such a great atmosphere for a child to be raised in that we can actually have a, a huge impact if we'll just take the time to do it I can tell you where some of the uh, spiritual leaders are for tomorrow and the next day they're sitting right across the table from you, massaging oatmeal in their hair and saying, I don't like asparagus. I want cocoa puffs. You know? They're right across the table from you, those spiritual champions. And we have all this opportunity in front of us, don't we? Could you agree with me in, on three things this morning? They're on your sheet there. It's kind of the three big ones. Kids matter. Parents matter. And the church matters. 
And that's where we're kind of going today. There's going to be a truckload of point, points underneath those, but we're going to make sure we try to keep them in hand. First of all, kids matter, folks. Kids matter to us as parents. They matter to God, and they matter to the church. They need to matter to the church. For those parents who can remember what it was like not to have kids, okay, uh, they really do change their, your lifestyle, don't they? I've watched my, my kids have kids now. And I kind of go, <laughs> tired, huh? Out of money, huh? <laughs> Can't just kind of pick up and go now, huh? Yes, yeah. It's like, how much stuff do we need to put in a car? We're just going to the store, you know? So it takes a lot of time and money and energy. Um, when the dust settles, though, I've seen parents who've really invested in their kids and who've seen some good outcome, and they've, they've said, you know, uh, as the kids are out of the house now, I look back on my life, and you know, that's, that's about the only thing I did that really mattered. And I've seen people who don't, who have, who don't have kids or people who are single, and they're saying, you know, as I invest in children, that's the only thing that really gets my blood pumping is to, to do something for, for a child and to move them along in their spiritual life. What a great, great avocation. They matter to us as parents. They matter to God. Let's read these scriptures together. Uh, not together, but I'll read them. He, uh, in Matthew 18, it says, He called little children and had them stand among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like, a little, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, whoever humbles himself like a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes that one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. You know, God really likes kids, doesn't he? And he thinks that their welfare spiritually and generally is a big deal. You know, Jesus had similar thoughts. He said this. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And guys, guys, do not hinder them. Bring them to me. Okay? For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he, he placed his hands on the kids, and then he went out from there. He said, hey, you know, we ought to love kids. They literally are, are uh, precious in God's sight. And we talk a lot about that, and we just have to say, do I know that, or do I know that? Am I living that out? Children matter to us as parents. They matter to God. And they need to matter to the church, okay? Without any question, the people that, that have the greatest, that we as a church have the greatest impact on over the years are children and youth, okay? If the church is going to change the culture around it, we must love its children and help them come to know Christ. If we're going to actually change our culture, folks, if we're going to have the, the Gallatin Valley and, Valley and likely the world really get changed, it's going to be by us investing in the people who are the most likely to be transformed into spiritual champions. Those are children and youth. Parents love them, God loves them, and we as the church need to say, kids matter. Now, kids matter, but parents matter. If you're going to dramatically improve your relationship with kids, folks, I'm just going to 
Let's turn this into kind of a, a uh, what a kids need class here. There's four things that we, we better uh, really focus on and get right. Okay? First thing is, uh, well, first of all, let's just say this. Um, those four things are essentials. They're not the only four things. But we need to focus on them because when they're not done well, then things do go sideways in kids', kids lives. Um, first of all, we have to pray for our kids. I don't know. Everybody, tell me something new, Sam. Pray for kids. Okay, got that, right? Parents, I want to say this to you. We must truly believe and know that God wants to hear our prayers for our kids, and he will honor those prayers if we prioritize our own kids' spiritual lives. Our kids, we, we, have, we have to prioritize spirituality. Not like this here. Let's take a look at this video. It's kind of fun. Oh, listen. Um, Julie got 1291 on her SATs. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel so proud of her. It's great. Yeah, how's Patty? Oh, we're a little disappointed with the effort she's been giving lately towards her work. Speaking from my own experience. Math. French. Oh, everything's gone down. Necessary for the degree of achievement. Nathan's talking to, to her right now. Aspire. He's trying to figure out what's wrong. Look, Patty, all I'm saying is if you want to have just an ordinary academic career and attend an ordinary university, that's your prerogative. But I must tell you, I think you're selling yourself way short. How's it going? I don't know. Sometimes I feel as though we want it more than she does. Patty, you know we love you. Could you just give your father that little extra effort he's looking for? <laughs> okay, Mama. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. We start early, don't we? We start caring about our kids early in lots of areas. How about the spiritual area? If we, if we prioritize the academic, the social, the athletic early on, and yet, folks, if we neglect the spiritual life of our kids, it's just uh, hard for God to honor those prayers all of a sudden for their spiritual welfare or their moral welfare. As parents, you know, Connie and I, my wife Connie, and I have four kids, so about halfway through, we began to watch them get into high school, and we thought, boy, you know what? Uh, As they graduate, a spiritual compass does not just kind of drop out of the sky into their lap and they suddenly know all the spiritual things they need to know. They're moral, godly people. They are responsible and they, uh, they kind of know where to, where to go with their life. It just doesn't happen that way, does it? it? Let's all admit, it happens a day at a time and a week at a time and a month at a time over a process as we invest in them spiritually. Not just academically, socially, and and athletically, but spiritually, with those things, we invest in them. The positive spiritual convictions that that are formed a day and a week are in the home first, then in the church, then other influences. Connie and I pray for our our kids daily. And uh, I don't have any any, uh, worry about that being an exaggeration, because they really matter to us. We pray for our, ch- our daughters, we pray for their spouses, and now we're praying for their kids. 
And that matters to us. We need to be able to say, you know, it's not an accident. Kids have free will, and we can pray for them, and they can ignore it. So those of you that are parents here that are struggling with that, that's, that's still true, isn't it? Which only means we pray for them increasingly. Their future is affected by our prayers. I'll leave it at that. Pray for your kids, parents. Secondly, help your kids find, them, find Jesus as Savior as fast as possible. Okay? As I said, all my kids accepted Christ when they were around four, five, six years old. And uh, the sooner they come to the point of seeking Christ, the more likely they're going to escape what the world has in store for them. There's a point at which when a child accepts Christ that you suddenly have a point of reference with, with them. You can talk with them about spiritual things. Uh, my, my second grandchild, uh, Ellie, who is, I call her lightning toes because uh, everything she does is at high volume and high speed. And she's just intense. I wish I should have thrown a picture up there so you could understand what I mean. Everything she does is intense. And I think something, just point her in the right direction because it's going to happen. Something's going to happen with this kid. But she, she will say, um, uh, uh, you know, I just need to do something. And she'll, she will uh, uh, exhibit spirituality in ways that, that uh, I don't even know how to, how to comprehend. She, I, I'm just, I better just leave that alone. I, gosh, uh, she's going to get in trouble or, or Jesus is going to get hold of her life. I guess I'm just going to say it that way. She's going to be in big trouble or she's going to do so, something wonderful. And my daughter and, the, and her husband are really helping her in the right direction. I'm so thankful for that. I was at Faithy for 25 years, our grandmother church, and I was there long enough and had the privilege of being there to watch somebody being born, not, not personally, but uh, to watch uh, them be brought into the nursery and into the Wigglers and Wobblers that we have here, like I say, go through preschool, go through elementary school. See one right there is Garrett Heidi. That's right. He's sitting here. Um, go through middle school, high school, come to their senior graduation, and hear their testimony. And folks, inevitably, they would say things like, you know, uh, I, I know where I'm going. I'm, go- I'm going to this college, or I'm going to this career school, or whatever it might be, or I'm going to be working this next summer, whatever it might be. But they were talking about the fact that they were seeking God's will in their life. And they said, you know, and that all started way back when my mom and dad prayed with me uh, when I was going to bed one night, or way back in Awana when the, my leader helped me to come to know Christ as Savior, or in vacation Bible school or Sunday school. It all happened there, and I'm really thankful for those people who helped me get started spiritually. It's a, it is a beautiful thing to watch seniors come through the ranks over and over again with spiritual life in their veins. It's a good deal. We need, our kids need to know God's forgiveness early on. It makes a difference. Thirdly, Pray for your kids. Help them find Christ. Thirdly, we must model a Christian beha- uh, the Christian life, demonstrate what it looks like for our kids. We, we can miss on a lot of things, but this is under the third point, I know. But there are four things under the third point. I hope there are no subpoints. Okay? Here are four things that as parents that we need to model that, that matter, folks. They really do. First, we need to demonstrate unconditional love. And whether you're a parent or whether you're a person here 
who uh, is affecting the children that are at Journey Church or affecting children in your extended families, they need unconditional love. They don't need conditional love. They need to know that no matter what happens, you want the best for them and that you'll love them in the process of all of that. And the best for them might be that they get caught in their sin early on. I know many parents have told me, you know what I'm praying for my kids? I'm praying that they will get caught early when they sin. Why is that? Because when people don't get caught early, they begin to form habits in their life that forms a trench, and it's tough to get out of the trench, isn't it? Pray that your children come to a point of seeing that sin will hurt their lives early on. That's God's best for them. Maybe God's best for them is that they endure some hard times or discomfort in their life and that you don't bail them out as a parent. You pray for them and you love them unconditionally as they develop character and and dealing with that issue that they need to work through. And all of these things and all the tough things that come into our kids' lives, they need to know we're going to love them and always tell them what's right and true, no matter what. Secondly, we need to demonstrate mutual respect. Mutual respect. The, the one way that I can think of that we can demonstrate mutual respect is kind of what I've developed over the years for my kids, and I hope it's useful to you. And that is, I ask myself, am I treating my kids the way I would, I would treat my most valued adult friend? Think of you the, the person who's an adult with you that you really value. You don't want to lose their friendship. And would you treat them like you're treat, treating this child? Where were you? You know how long I've been waiting here? You're late. What's wrong with you? Probably wouldn't be my friend long. <laughs> Doesn't work well. Treat your kids with mutual respect. Treat them, don't demean them. Um, it breaks the relationship that you're going to need with your kids. Treat them with mutual respect. Thirdly, demonstrate godly discipline. And there's a couple things under this too. Demonstrate our discipline is intended to form character, not punish. Okay? 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So folks, what's that look like? Well, um, teaching them is just helping them to know, modeling what's right, and teaching them what the right thing to do is. Rebuking is, is used when they don't, when something goes sideways, when they're in rebellion. To be able to say, you know, we're drawing some boundaries here. Uh, you know, you can't go there. Or there are, ba- there are boundaries, or, you're, or you're, you may be grounded. Or, um, you know, whatever it might be, that you, this is wrong, and we're, we're going to correct this. After the rebuking comes the correcting. When you say, by correcting, this is what I want you to do. This is, this is how we move out of this scenario, and this is how I want you to, to live, or this is what I want you to know. And training is simply helping them do that on a regular basis to develop a habit. And by the way, that's for each one of us. Jesus is doing this in each one of our lives every day. He's teaching us. He's rebuking us and convicting us when we do something that's wrong. He is correcting us and saying, this is how I want you to live. And this is how I want you to do that on a regular basis. So discipline is to help us learn what is right and good and true. So, and there's two, but there's two styles of discipline, folks, that just don't work well. Okay? They're not, they don't form kids. They... They frustrate them. One is shaming. Shaming is like this. How could you have done that? 
what were you thinking? Now, I, I, I knew you'd do that. You know, you're never going to amount to anything. What kind of kid are you? How does the kid answer any of those questions? Ah, uh, you know. There are no good answers for those because it wasn't aimed at the behavior. It was aimed at their identity and their value, right? And so uh, when a person is shamed, uh, you can't just ditch that. It follows you around, you know? And could I say to all of you here today, this is something for all of us to chew on a little bit? Somewhere along the line, most people got shamed at some level. We had people just kind of uh, say things that, that, uh, that hurt us internally. And the only way you're going to deal with shame is by renouncing it. Renouncing means that you pronounce it as not true. It's a lie. And when somebody says to you, you're never going to amount to anything, or how could you have done that? What kind of a person are you? You have that feeling of, I'm, I'm a person of very little value. I'm a person that probably will generally do the wrong thing. And if you want to buy into that, that's your business. But I want you to remember that God says to you, I will never shame you. I love you with an everlasting love. I believe in you. I will be faithful to you every day. And then he turns around and does something really wild. He calls us saints. You're a saint. If you ask somebody on the, on the uh, sidewalk in Bozeman tomorrow, hey, are you a saint? <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm no saint, right? And I bet I could do that to, to a lot of you today. You say, you know, are you a saint? Oh, man, no, I'm, I am not a saint. Well, I'm, you know, you need to check Corinthians. You're a saint. Because of Christ, you are clean. You are free. You are right in God's sight. That's what righteousness means. You're a saint. But kind of chew on that a little bit, would you? You can choose to live in your shame, or you can renounce it and say, that's a lie. I will not live there anymore. I'm going to live in the truth that God has given me. He loves me. I'm a saint. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But you are forgiven, and God loves you. You're a saint. Parents, ditch the shaming. Ditch the shaming. Secondly, parents, we need to kind of ditch anger. Okay? Second type of discipline that doesn't work is disciplining with anger. And I'm just going to say this. Um, If we discipline with anger... What kids remember is the anger, and they forget the truth or the lesson. If we discipline with anger, we break the relationship. Kids that are offended or hurt or demeaned or they're they're spoken to in in an angry manner tend to have hearing loss. They They don't hear us because they're hurt and they're frustrated. Does that excuse misbehavior from our kids? No, it doesn't. But we can hinder or help. Discipline work. And if we discipline in anger, it hinders the, the actual training. The lack of respect and Now, here's, here's a good little sentence here. The lack of respect and offense makes it harder for them to agree with our correction and change their behavior. I wrote that. That's brilliant. No. The lack of respect and offense helps or uh, makes it harder for them to agree with our correction. Disciplining without shaming and anger allows the parents to exercise their authority without offending their son or daughter. The last essential 
that we need to have as parents is to demonstrate that we need to demonstrate is to demonstrate godly forgiveness. We'll never perf- live perfectly enough to have our kids say, "My parents were perfect parents." Will we? But when we've been imperfect or offensive or ungodly, we can regain <clears throat> that respect and restore that relationship by going to them and saying, "You know, I, I was wrong. I was wrong." Or what I the way I treated you was wrong. Would you please forgive me? You have the guts to do that? It took me, I had to ramp up to that a little as a dad, you know? Because the first few years of my parenting life, I was always right. I was sarcastic and critical. And my kids, uh, you know, didn't have to tell me anything because I already knew everything. And forgiveness was nowhere on the list. And then I began to realize that I was damaging my relationship with them and began to ask for their forgiveness. And many times I've asked my daughters, you know, uh, what I said to you was true, but the way I said it was, was rude, or I said that in anger, or I, I was just sarcastic with you. And I'm really sorry. Would you forgive me? And you know, they want to. They want to forgive you generally. The cool thing is, if we'll start doing that as parents, that paves the way for our kids to be able to do that with us. And I do remember one of the first times that one of my daughters came to me and said, you know, Dad, what I, what I did was wrong, and I'm sorry. Would you, would you forgive me? And every time I think about that, I think, man, what a corner turner, you know? I went, yeah, I forgive you, you know? What a, what a great experience to have your kids start to say, hey, we're on even ground here. Would you forgive me? That's a great thing. Very difficult for our kids to do that, even though guys and girls here, if you're young people here, you can start that process even if your parents haven't started it first. You can go to them and say, you know, uh, in the back of your mind, you can, you can know that they've, they need to say they're sorry as well. But you can start the process by saying, you know, I'm sorry. I've held some things against you. Would you please forgive me? And that can start the whole godly process going in your family. But parents, we change first, normally. We change first. Ask your kids to forgive you. Here's another good nugget. Our authority and credibility as a parent is maintained by our integrity and relationship with our kids. Our authority is maintained by our, our credibility and our relationship. As parents or uh, are adults that work with kids, the older the, the kids get, the more we, we rely on the relationship that we have with them. So, so far, we've said kids matter, parents matter, and now, folks, the church matters. Kids become spiritual champions via all kinds of influences in their life, don't they? <clears throat> Parents are by far the most influential. But if they can see <clears throat> some other folks around them affirming what their parents are saying, it sure helps. You know, uh, sons and daughters, you go up to a certain point in your life and um, you look around to check to see if your parents are crazy. You know? It's like, my parents, if they just come up to speed, they're in the dark ages. Nobody has these rules. 
What did you think of this kind of family that you've got here? If other people are succeeding with their families and having similar rules and caring about similar things and similar values, our kids can look around and say, you know, maybe my parents aren't crazy. Because, you know, God's ways do work. In contrast to everything the world would scream at your kids, God's ways work. And the church is wise if they'll start with an, uh, a, being an ally to parents with things like base camp, VBS, uh, 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 OA, uh, SLAM, and all, the, all of our other uh, ministries that help our kids grow up and have influence from other adults as they're growing up. We're smart if we have a great Christian education ministry at, at Journey Church. Now, kids have the ability to, to retain truckloads of information. They're getting it at home, but man, they're getting it right now in base camp, aren't they? They, they can retain all kinds of scripture and, and truth. And let's take a look at this video and just remind ourselves about that a bit, have a little fun with it. The Penal Colony by Franz Kafka. Hey, Nathan, have you a doctor yet? Mock, if you will. All right. Our children are more capable of retaining and absorbing information than we are, and yet we insist on treating them like adorable little morons. <laughs> what are you saying? Patty can learn things I can't learn? Patty, which one of these is the square root of 8,649? Ninety-three. <laughs> They're like sponges, Gil, just waiting to absorb. I want this. See? Take my advice. Forget about Kevin and Taylor. It's too late. Work on Justin. Actually, Justin is quite bright in his preschool class. He was the only... Slow down, Justin. I'll get you some dip. <laughs> they come in all sizes and shapes. And, you know, my, my grandson is six years old. Evan lives out in Washington. And uh, he's the one that I probably have most regular contact with about how, how the church and the home are pairing up to really help uh, Evan really be a sponge and soak it all up. Evan's gone through his Awana book in half the year. And uh, he's now going to memorize Hebrews 12, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. But I, I kind of go, how do they do that, just soaking it all up? Moms and dads, if we just give them the information and talk to them about it at home on a, on a regular basis, they get the basics. What a cool thing if all the kids that, that are represented at Journey Church would have homes where they learn all the basic Bible stories by either having books read to them or by stories told to them out of the Bible, and that they get all the basics taken care of at home so that when they come to, to base camp or they come to VBS or they're in, in our, our youth ministries, they've got the, the basics of this, the content, down. Now, what does it mean? And what is it, how, do, how do the teachers translate that into how to develop their moral character and their, their ability to take that into what does that mean to me today? How do I use it? Um, that's, a, that's an ally 
uh, uh, the church being an ally to the parents. And that's what we want to do here at, at Journey Church. You know, we, we dare not delegate. Parents, I just should say this because it sounds like I'm saying two things. We dare not delegate um, the spiritual training to the church alone. Okay? The home is primary, right? Okay? We can't delegate, say, raise my kids, turn them into Christians, you know? Do that, okay? But the instruction given in Journeys Ministries can be a great ally to your church's spiritual development. And a church is the smartest church on the planet if they will value the children's, children and youth ministry while we have the opportunity to bless those kids. Can I just say real quickly, uh, I know of about three churches in the nation, and that doesn't mean there aren't more, but I know of three who have a waiting list for people to get into the children and youth ministry to, to be teachers or uh, small group leaders in the, in the middle school or high school ministry. They have waiting lists because they value their children that much. I'd like to just say to you, it, it would matter here in the Gallatin Valley if Journey Church began to be a church where we had people investing in our kids on a regular basis. One of the greatest needs of any children's ministry or youth ministry is to have people who are regularly there. And I know that right now we have kind of a, a uh, uh, you know, we'll minister a couple of times a month or, or uh, every fourth, fourth Sunday or whatever it is. It would be so positive in our children's life if we would have people sign up for a month or maybe team teach with another person for a quarter. Faith Church in Billings, we had just a, a whole checkerboard of people serving when I first got there. When I, and that, certainly not because of me. It was because of people like Tara and Karen and, and our youth student pastors uh, that actually got the job done. But the emphasis changed to where when, when today if you went there, there would be people teaching in their Sunday school, their uh, children's ministry, for three months at a time. And then they're off for a, three months. And, and there, there's continuity in their, their Christian education ministry. We really need that for our children's uh, upbringing and their, their, the influence that we can have on them. So would you consider that? Think about, what could I do uh, to invest in, in my child if you're a parent? Or if you want to do something eternal, if you're a college student here or a high school student, student and you'd like to do something eternal with your life, invest it in somebody who's going to make a difference in this world along with you. Okay? Jump into the, the Christian education ministry somewhere here at Journey Church. Last thing I want to say to you is this. Let's not hand over the lives of our kids to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay? May the homes at, in, represented in Journey Church be places where kids are built up. May Journey Church be a place that's an ally to our homes where we actually do value kids enough to invest in them for eternity. It's a big deal, folks. We talk about it, but we only know it if we do it. Right? We can raise spiritual champions. Would you just set your things aside real quickly and just bow your heads for a second? Um, no, no pastor who spends any time um, um, preparing a sermon does it for nothing. We're not just killing time. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just uh, consider something with me, a couple things? If you're a parent here today, and, and uh, being here today has just caused you to think uh, about how, 
uh, effective is your home in raising your children spiritually. You have all kinds of goals for them, things you'd like them to become and things you'd like them to experience along the way, but how are they doing spiritually? And is, is there time spent for their spiritual development in your home? And if you'd like to just say to the Lord this morning, Lord, I, I needed a, just this checkup. I'm going to, to uh, recommit myself to spending time to nurture my kids spiritually in our home. If you're willing to say, I'm going to do that. I needed this this morning, and I just need to kind of drive a stake in the ground by raising my hand and just saying, I, I'm going to do that. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. Make eye contact with me. Praise God all over the place. Anybody else? I'm going to make a commitment to raise my kids in a way that uh, matters spiritually. Anybody else? I'm going to do that. You bet. I see those over here. You bet. Yes. Good for you. You bet. Good for you. Praise God. I believe God takes you seriously. That's great. If there are those of you here that aren't parents, and you would say, you know, I, I do believe that what you said is true, Sam, that, that kids are the future spiritual champions. They stand, they're going to stand along with us in changing our culture. And I don't have kids, but I, I'm going to make a commitment to do something, whether it's in my extended family, I've got a, a nephew or a cousin, and I'm going to invest in that child spiritually. Or whether it's here at Journey, I'm going to do something to do or to invest and use what I do to nurture a child spiritually. If you don't have kids and you're saying, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do something significant, just raise your hand and put it right down. I don't have kids, but I'm going to invest in them. You betcha. Very good. Good for you. Good for you. Excellent. They matter. Kids matter. Parents matter. And this church matters. Father, I thank you for these folks. I pray that that the commitments that we're making along the way would season and salt Journey Church, that we'd become a place where children are valued, where we don't uh, beg people to serve, where we don't beg parents to spend time with their kids, that we know that that's the most important thing on the planet, that we're doing things that matter. Pray you to honor their efforts, Lord. Honor their efforts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.